This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So we've got one of our longtime guests on the show today. It's Sean Mercer from the Social Security Administration, and he's ready to take Social Security questions. Ryder's ready to handle your personal finance questions. You can always send an email as well. The address is money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Ryder. What's uh, on your mind, financially speaking, uh, in the news this week? Good morning, Kevin. Um, I don't want to step on Nancy's toes too much while she's not here in the studio with us today, but this is something we were talking about last week, and it's one of her favorite the numbers that comes out is the employment situation. The Bureau of Labor Statistics every month puts out a very detailed report on the employment situation. It says the top line numbers we look for are how much did payrolls increase by, how many more people were on payroll, and what is that unemployment number. And for the last month for January, we had a very high, uh, a surprisingly high uh, employment number. It says the total non-farm payroll employment rose by 517,000 in January, and the unemployment rate changed little. It was at 3.4%. But this is this is a very low uh, unemployment rate. That is a lot of people going to work. That is kind of more than average, uh, even in a, looking back at a good year uh, like last year. But this kind of uh, people, we have a lot of questions. People have a lot of questions about this because we're hearing in the news about these big tech layoffs, tens of thousands of people being laid off at a time. And so, how do these numbers? Uh, how can we reconcile them with with these with this publication? So, there's a couple of things to think about. One is there are seasonal adjustments to this number because. Typically, there's a lot of hiring for the holiday season, and a lot of those people are let go in January. So there's adjustments so that we don't, so that we're never surprised by that. So those numbers are adjusted some. So when you actually look at the numbers, the actual number of people uh, clocking into a job may have actually decreased a little bit. But given how patterns usually go, it was still a lot more than normal. A lot of these tech layoffs are plans. They are not necessarily, hey, we just laid off 10,000 people today, and more, we're going to lay off 2,000 people a month for the next couple of months, or we're planning on laying off 10,000 people. And that gives them a lot of flexibility, of course, if they do want to retain some of those folks. Uh, and also bear in mind with the tech layoffs in particular, it's a very small part of the economy. They did do a ton of hiring over the past two years. We've talked about this. And so these numbers are not – they're not crazy numbers for uh, our overall employment situation. And then just one thing to always remember is that these headline numbers, this headline you know, 3.4% unemployment, this headline – 517,000 
people on payroll. These are very specific calculations that answer a very specific question, but it doesn't always mean what we have in our head. It, it doesn't always have the practical effect because sometimes there's adjustments for how many people, what's our population, how many people are actually looking for work versus not actually looking for work. What is the definition of looking for work? So you can you can go down the street and see some people who don't have jobs, but they may not count as unemployed for various reasons. So it doesn't, the numbers don't always line up exactly with what we think. But even when we dig deep into them, we still have a lot of people working. Uh, the employment situation is still, the trend is still improving. We always caution about looking at a single month and saying, oh my goodness, this was such a great month. Which it's, just, it's just glitter and rainbows from here on out. Um, it's a single month. Uh, it's still on a good trend, but it's, it's I would always, always caution to, to temper those feelings. So good morning, Sean. Always good to have you on the air with us. Good morning to you all. Glad to be here. Hopefully we'll have some uh, good questions today and maybe be able to give some uh, good answers and uh, the phone lines will light up. Very good. We've got a person on the line, so let's start in Nettleton. Chuck has called in today. Good morning, Chuck. You're on the air. Hi, how are you? And I believe your name was John? Sean. His name is Sean. Sean. Hi, Sean. Um, I have a basic question. Uh, there's a bunch of older people trying to get back into the workforce, if not for the, the reason of inflation alone. And it seems like a lot of younger people don't want to work these days. I want to go back into the workforce, but I'm classified as disabled. I have already called Social Security to see how much extra a month on what I'm, uh, I can make if I were to go back into the workforce without having to worry about being given a review. My age is 65 and a half. I will be 66 this coming May. My There's a cutoff age I had heard uh, that you get a letter, like uh, maybe when you're 66 and a half, that you are no longer classified as the disabled. You are put in regular Social Security for the rest of your life. Can you clarify that situation? Because I always, you know... I am disabled. I did cement work when I was a younger man. I really <laughs> dug a hole to China, kind of. <laughs> but uh, so I had to go out with disability uh, sooner or later. I tried to make it to 62 years old on the workforce. Got about 44 years in on the books. But it just, my back wouldn't let me. And so I, I applied and put the rest up in prayer. And, you know, two years later, around 58, I got approved. So now it's been eight years, and I, I want to go back in the workforce mainly to get a storm shelter, uh, a tornado shelter, if you've noticed. So they seem to be more frequent these days. But I want to be, you know, I called Social Security. They said I can make up to 1300 extra a month. But as far as that cutoff where they change your status to disability to regular Social Security, if you could clarify that. Okay, good question, Chuck. And you are you're right on with all your information. Uh, just do want to clarify the part that you have there. When, when a person turns full retirement age, so everyone needs to look and see. I believe yours is going to be 66 and a half. Uh, then the day you turn, the month you turn full retirement age, you are exactly right. On our records, you go to retired versus being disabled, even though there's no change in your medical condition or anything like that. And at that point, there is no limit to what you can work and earn. So prior to obtaining your full retirement age, yes, there is a uh, a limit as to uh, what you can do. So we have nine months of trial work period. That's about a thousand dollars, a thousand fifty a month, 
and then after that, it's about $1,470 a month. Uh, but that is for someone who is on disability. For someone like yourself, once you obtain full retirement age, that disability status goes out the window. And on our records, you're retired. And kind of the reason we do that is because we don't have to do any medical updates or medical redeterminations on you because you're full retirement age. Even if you were miraculously re- recovered, you would still be eligible for your benefits because of your age. So you do have that right uh, on your, what you were explaining there. So just give your local office a call if you decide to go back to work. And the main thing is to report that if you're under full retirement age. But if you're over full retirement age, then there's no uh, need for us to do anything. Just make sure you understand what your full retirement age is. You can look that up on our website at socialsecurity.gov if you're unsure about that, and just click on the retirement calculators there, and there's all uh, there's all kind of charts on there that show you, based on your year of birth, what your full retirement age is. So good question, Chuck. Thank you for calling in. All right, Chuck, yeah, thanks for your call. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past episodes. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand to all the local MPB Think Radio programs. Kevin Farrell here with uh, Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. And our guest today is Sean Mercer from the uh, Social Security Administration. Always a busy day when Sean's with us. We've got some uh, jammed up phone lines. And if you're trying to get in, when someone drops off, obviously that means a phone line is available and you can jump on and get in the queue. All right, uh, we'll start again with Steve, who calls in from Biloxi. Good morning, Steve. Your turn. Go ahead. Good morning. I've got a question about spousal benefits. Uh, I'm 65 and was born in 1957, so I think my full retirement age is 66 and a half. My wife is 50 uh, or 64, and she was born in 1958. So it's okay. You um, can say that she's 54 on air. She'll appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I'm going to probably work until I'm 70, uh, but she is going to retire at her full retirement age. Uh, And I make a little bit more money than she does. So when we looked, uh, I think she'll qualify for half of my benefit, which will be a little bit more than her Social Security normally. Is that correct? We will look at that and see, but you have that right. As long as you are alive, the most she will ever be able to draw at her full retirement age is half. And so... uh, you have that you have that correct now since she has worked we are also going to look first at her own record to make sure that her 100 percent is not higher than your half and she gets to draw the higher of the two not both but we do check that that's why we always ask that you list every marriage and divorce when you file an application because that's what we're looking for is other entitlements out there what's the highest record that we can pay you own based on your current situation and your age and age is a big factor there because as you noticed i said the most she will ever be able to draw is 50 percent of yours and that would be if she waited till her full retirement age and started drawing off your record and you you were drawing yeah uh, the second part of that is when could she do that if i work until i'm 70 and she retires at her full retirement age Will she be able to get half my benefit, even though I'm not drawing Social Security officially yet? We're going. We're going to have to look at that. If you are married, no. 
so we would, she would draw hers. Let's say that her benefit was, you know, $1,500 a month, but your benefit was $1,700, your half. She would not be able to draw yours until you were drawing. So she would draw hers, and then once you became eligible and you listed her as a spouse, we would say, is there a benefit payable there? And we make it increase her benefit at that time. Now, it's different if you're divorced. A divorced spouse cannot prevent someone from drawing. But married, there's a little... It's it's a little it's a little different there. So yes, you are correct there. She would draw hers, and then we would see about her drawing off of you when you retired. And yeah, now I know in the past there's been some kind of a, a deferment, <laughs> or has uh, that gone away? Uh, there was some things where you could suspend and file, and yes, some of that has some of that has gone away. So there were some financial planners out there. There was a short window of time where we had where someone could file, you could file, and then suspend your benefits and allow her to draw, and then to delay yours until age 70. You know, So right. some of those things have gone away. Yes, sir. So one thing Thank to clarify, Sean, when you talk about receiving half of your spouse's benefits, is, are, are, are we talking about half of his full retirement age benefit, half of his maximum benefit, or just half of the benefit that he actually starts drawing? Okay, it's a good question there, Ryder. It's half of his full retirement age benefits. The spouse does not receive the delayed earned tax credit as long as the individual is alive. So he may delay his and get that 8% increase, but the wife would only draw half of his full retirement age amount if that were the case there. So there is some nuances there that we have to look at. So the individual receives a 8% increase from full retirement age to age 70. But the spouse, in this case, if she were eligible to draw, her half would only be based off what his age, his full retirement age benefit was in his case, which he was right, is 66 and a half. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, visiting today with Sean Mercer from the Social Security Administration. Steve, thanks for your call. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Next, we go to Vicksburg. It's Chad's turn to be on the air. Good morning, Chad. Go ahead. Uh, yes, sir. I had a question. Um, I, re- I received supplemental security income uh, due to blindness as a, you know, as a kid. Um, when I get to like 67, eight, like will my benefits go up? No, sir. If you're if if you haven't worked and paid in, you're receiving SSI because you were right. probably declared disabled prior to having a chance to work any. So right. yes, the supplemental security income is a needs based program that we administer. So it's not based on anything that you worked and paid in. Now, if you work through the years and ever reach a point where you are insured and can draw any amount of Social Security, we would have you file for that. And let's say. $500 based off limited work through the years, then yes, you would draw that and then we would supplement you the difference between that and your SSI that you're currently receiving. But if okay. you haven't worked or do not work any, then no, sir, you would not draw any other benefits. You would just continue on the uh, SSI. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank All you right. for your call, Chad. Thanks, Chad. Uh, let's move on next. It's, uh, I believe, Deb in Starkville is up next. Deb, thanks for calling. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm going to be turning 70 in October, 
and um, I have delayed um, receiving benefits um, because my husband continues to work. And we were wondering if it's okay, there won't be any penalty if I can delay until next year's tax year before I start receiving benefits. So not start receiving benefits until 2024. But you're turning 70 this year in 2023, correct? Correct. I'm turning 70 in October, yeah. And so you want to delay, you want to just miss out a few months of receiving Social Security income? Right. Okay. Yes, you can do that. I mean, we we do see people that somehow you're in a very good situation there. Uh, All of your, your benefits are going to be maxed out, so you could wait and contact us in January of 24 to do that. There's just really, you know, no reason. You're only missing out on three checks there that, uh, you know, is your money, so it's not going to increase. But we can't make you file. But uh, <laughs> can always <laughs> leave that money in the pot. <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, so okay. We probably need to look and talk with your so uh, tax professionals and financial planners and all and look to see, you know, really if that's, you know, something you need to do because you are maxed out. And so you would be do a check for the October, November, and December part of 2023, but we can't make you file. And and I'd like to point out that you know I people do you don't want to uh, you don't want to be taking Social Security often while you're still working because there may be some penalty, but that penalty for on your on your Social Security benefit while you are working. Uh, goes away once you hit full retirement age. I believe that's correct. Sean can can correct me, but it, it often it doesn't. I'm a li- I'm a little puzzled. And I would I'd, I'd love to chat with Deb a little bit more about that about everything that went behind their decision to delay because it sounds like at least one of them could have been drawing some social security income. And while it may have, they may be in a higher tax bracket, and you know that social security would have been taxed at some rate. It would have ultimately still been more money um, and it would have could have very easily ultimately been more money for them overall just like skipping your first few checks it's yes they might be taxed at some high rate but it's you still do get money from them at the end of the day the income tax does it, it our our tax system of progressive brackets means that it's not it, it's not that your tax rate on all of your income goes up it's that marginal dollar so it typically there's never a point where you make less money by earning more due to taxes that's just never never a thing so I'd be very interested to see what all went into that decision and what that whole picture looks like all right uh, Deb thanks for your call this morning this is money talks on MPB think radio visiting today with Sean Mercer the district manager for the Social Security Administration you can email the show send it to money at mpbonline.org we're going to Kosciuszko for our next caller it's Tommy good morning Tommy you're on the air with us go ahead well, well good morning to you uh, thank you for taking my call Mr. Mercer I just got a, a kind of a crazy question I'm 83 years old and I'm still working full time. And uh, I know I'm paying Social Security and income tax on that. Is is there uh, any benefit to me uh, retiring now? Well, Mr. Tommy, I hope that I'm in your position one day and that I'm <laughs> able to do what you're you're doing. That, that's quite incredible there. So, so we are working. So if you're still working, 
we're looking each year when you work and pay in, we're looking to see if one of the years that you work currently is replacing one of the I-35 that we used in your computation. And you say, oh, yes, it, I know it is. I mean, I'm working, and I, what I made this year is triple what I made back in 1982. Well, we can't look at it numerically and tell because there's indexing factors applied to that. So we have to look and see if it does replace it. And it is something that happens automatically each year. But it only replaces one thirty-fifth of your computation. So it is maybe helping your Social Security go up a little more than the cost of living increase each year. It's hidden down in the letter that you get at the end of the year that tells you what next year's benefits are going to be. And if it moves it 3 or $4 or $5 a month, that's really a big year. If you worked all those years and you had 35 years in your computation, it doesn't move it a whole lot. So you are getting credit for that work, and uh, but it's not it's not earth earth shattering or earth moving. But you are getting credit as you continue to work and pay in. And for all of our listeners out there, even that may not be aware of that, even though you're retired and drawing benefits, if you work or if you have net self employment. Even though you're retired, you do pay in, you continue to pay FICA taxes on that money. So uh, good luck to you, and just hope that I get there, Mr. Tommy. <laughs> thank, thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Tommy, for your call. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Our guest for today is District Manager for the Social Security Administration and longtime friend of the show, Sean Mercer. Uh, we've got some uh, phone lines jammed up, but uh, Ryder, you had kind of a follow-up to our last caller, I think. Yes, and it wasn't quite clear if our last caller had actually already filed for his Social Security benefits or not, but we did have one caller who did talk about filing and only starting to take her Social Security benefits after the age of 70. And so after the age of 70, your benefits aren't increasing anymore. There's no there's no real benefit that I see to delaying. But Sean, for someone who does start taking Social Security after the age of 70, so for whatever reason, maybe they just forgot and they turned 71 and they went down to file, or they just didn't realize, or maybe they were 83 and still working, and they didn't think they could get anything. Is there any way for them to recoup the past benefits that they were entitled to, or have they just written all of those all those months of uh, benefits off? I've only seen it a couple of times, and there's only a limited time that we can go back and protect them uh, for that. So in some cases, it's just money left. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's uh, how far we can go back. Uh, I think we can only go back, I think it's six months, and I'm going to check on that while we're on here, mm-hmm. while we're taking our next caller. But in the case that I saw was someone who had waited till 71, and there were lost benefits in that case. I just don't know exactly how many. Interesting. All right, back to the phones we go, off to Ocean Springs. Marcy is on the line. Good morning, Marcy. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Thank you, Kevin. Um, hello, Sean. How are you this morning? I'm good. Thanks for your call. Uh, you're welcome. I have about four questions. I'll try to move quickly so that I don't take too much time. My main question is, I'm retired from the Army. I am almost 62 years old. So, you know, when I turned 60, I started drawing my Army retirement. And I'm planning to go ahead and um, file at 62 for my benefits. And what I want to know is, when I'm told, 
you're allowed to make this much per year. What does that mean in terms of my Army retirement? Is that included in that amount? No. Simple question. We're only concerned about a W-2 or net self-employment. Any other type of income you have, be it uh, military retirement, state retirement from Mississippi, IRAs, anything like that, we hope that you have all of the above to go in there. We're only going to ask you, are you working or are you self-employed? So very, very good question there. Okay. So then that amount would only be from the earnings and it wouldn't include my benefit or my retirement. That is correct. We're only concerned with what would show up on a W-2 or on a Schedule SE from your uh, self-employment tax return. All those other incomes that you have that you may get 1099s or uh, vouchers off of your IRS uh, tax filings, those are none of our concern. Only the W-2 or the net self-employment. Okay, awesome. Okay, my next question is, once I file, what is the time frame before the first deposit? Okay, if you're 60, if you're going to turn 62, let's just use a fictitious uh, date of uh, February of next year. So you would Well, I can tell you my birthday is the end of April, April 3rd. All right. Okay, so you're going to file in April. Your first full month that you're 62 is going to be May, and you have to live the entire month of May, and we will deposit a check for you in June based on your date of birth. If your birthday is the 1st through the 10th, you're the second Wednesday of the month. If it's the 11th through the 20th, you're the third Wednesday of the month. Or if you're the 21st through the 31st, your check is deposited on the fourth Wednesday of the month. So Social Security checks run a month behind. You have to live the entire month to be eligible, in your case, 62 for the entire month of May, and we would deposit that check in June. Perfect. Okay. Is there an advantage to having an appointment with um, a representative over applying online, or are they about the same? No, ma'am. Applying online, in your case, is going to be real easy. You're probably going to complete that claim in not much more time than we've been on the phone here with your questions today. It should be followed up with a representative with a phone call. Yours is going to be really simple. And I know people, you know, think, man, I've worked my entire life and this is big. And it is. It's your money and it's very important. But for most people, it's a very simple process to go through, file that online. Uh, and then the uh, representative usually follows up with a brief, brief telephone call just to make sure we've got everything correct on there. And then your check is direct deposited. That's fantastic. Last question, survivor benefits. So if um, I remarried after the divorce, uh, but then have since divorced again, would I still be eligible for the survivor benefit? From my, were, my both of, were both of your marriages over 10 years? Uh, no. One okay, was. So survivor the one where I want to claim the survivor benefit was 14 years. Okay, so possibly if something were to happen, yes, we would look at that. And so uh, when, when you got remarried, you gave up those rights to that, uh, those benefits. But now that you're, those married, your second marriage is no longer in force, and if something mm-hmm. were to happen and you were not convicted in the death of that individual, and I know that's <laughs> kind of morbid, but that is a fact we have to deal with. And it's okay. Remember, you are live on the radio, so uh, just, you know, you don't have to say anything here. So, yeah, so we do check on that. So anytime you lose a spouse, it may be time to check with your Social Security office 
and you can do all that over the phone that doesn't require a visit whatsoever and we need to check on that and see so we would look to see if the those benefits and it would only be a portion because uh, survivor benefits start at age 60 and go up every month that you are past that so it, it would depend on what those would be but that is something we check on if that individual were to pass away so the fact that i remarried and then divorced is would not be a factor now that that second marriage is not in force at this time, it would not be. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. You answered everything I needed. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, Marcy, for your call. Let's stay on the phone lines off to Water Valley we go. Uh, Melinda's next in line. Good morning. You're on the air with us. It's your turn. Good morning, guys. Um, I was born in 1984, uh, and I, I remember getting a couple letters throughout the years. I've worked since I was 15 full-time. And I've, I remember getting a couple letters over the years, you know, saying your stated retirement age is going to be whatever. I don't remember what that is. And you're, if you were to die or become disabled, your benefits would be. Um, when would my retirement age be? All right, good question, Melinda. So you're right there with me. Uh, so uh, we were born, any, all of our listeners born after 1967. We Our full retirement age is... 67. Now, as the law stands, we can still take it at 62. We're just going to take about a 30% reduction at 62 if we're willing to reduce our earnings. So we used to mail those statements out to you, and we still mail them out in, uh, at, at five-year increments, so maybe when you're 50 or when you're 55. But the best thing you can do is visit our website at socialsecurity.gov, and right down in the bottom of the page there is something called My Social Security. MY Social Security. You need to sign up for that account. We're not going to bombard you with emails or things like that. It's going to require a pin and a password. Don't see the text notification. It may even ask you about a prior home loan or an auto loan because we want to be sure who we're dealing with on the other end of that computer. You can pull your Social Security statement immediately once you sign up for that. So if you do that today or tonight when you get home, you'll be able to pull it up. It'll print out. You can print it on your home computer, look and see what all you've worked and paid in, see what your benefits are going to be, and then you forget about it. <laughs> Next year, about this time, you'll get an email from Social Security that says, hey, it's been about a year since you've checked your Social Security statement. You might want to do that. So I do it, get the email back once a year, usually forget my pen and password, have to ask <laughs> But it is something uh, very worthwhile called My Social Security. Again, visit our website at socialsecurity.gov. Make sure it's .gov. And uh, right down, bottom left-hand side of the page, about three-quarters of the way down on the home page there, my Social Security, sign up for that account then. And, uh, Sean, I'm glad you brought that up, the mysocialsecurity.gov, because we always encourage people to go log in, check their earnings records, see what their benefit might be, especially as they're getting closer to retirement. And she made a good point. Y'all used to send out those letters annually, but y'all kind of stopped doing that for most folks a few years ago. But I had a question on the uh, where it lists your salary throughout the years. I logged in a couple of weeks ago and saw, oh, you know, they haven't updated my 2022 salary. That's fine. Uh, it's updated now, so way to go. Y'all got the info. But what is the timeline for actually updating your previous year's salary, and where do y'all get that information from? Okay, so that happens pretty quick now. So back when I started 30 years ago, 
it used to not get updated till October, November, because everything was sent into the IRS, which is where we get that information from. So we don't collect any money here at Social Security. We're taking all this information that's being paid in to IRS. So uh, we see it. We see it sometimes posted in March or April. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but we want to give it. You know, up to a year to have it on there. Oh, wow. Okay. There's not a reporting problem with that employer. There wasn't an issue because all that's done electronically. So it's very quick. But sometimes they may have done, they may have to redo another report or something like that. So there may be a problem. So when people are looking at that, it is something to replace something a year or two years is relatively easy. Where we run into problems is someone uh, such as Melinda may look at hers and she realizes there's something missing from 10 years ago. Unfortunately, we can't take her word for it. We're going to try to help and see if maybe that's when the year she got married and something was turned in under a different name, maybe a maiden name versus a married name or something. Go back, search that employer through the EIN number to mm. see if there's any earnings in suspense or simply get a W-2 from her and see about correcting that. And that is something you have to do at your local office. You can call and talk with them about that and see what we need to get. And always remember, it's not corrected until we send you a letter verifying that it's corrected. And then once we do that, you should be able to look at it immediately on your Social Security statement and see that those gross earnings are posted for the year that may be missing there. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Today we're visiting with Sean Mercer, District Manager for the Social Security Administration. Let's try to work in these final phone calls in the last part of the show. As promised, we'll start by going to Bay Springs. Jerry has called in today. Good morning, Jerry. It's your turn. Good morning. Thank you for your program. I'll try and make it quick and simple as I can. I am 73. My wife is 61. She draws... Social Security, uh, I mean, uh, Supplemental Security Income, SSI, she's totally disabled, and she only gets about $200 a month. What I'm wondering is, when I die, uh, will her benefit go up to the full disability benefit, somewhere around $750, or will she she get half of my Social Security? From what I'm understanding... She should get the greater of the two amounts, which, what would that be? Good question, Mr. Jerry. And, yes, she will get the greater of the two amounts. We don't know exactly what that will be because it will be based on her age. As long as she's under full retirement age, she, uh, there's a percentage that she would draw. So she, if, he, if she lives and she is past her full retirement age, then she could draw 100% of what you are currently drawing. So all of that's kind of going to be timing there. And it could uh, totally knock her out of her SSI, depending on the amount that you are drawing at the time of your death. Good question. Thank you for calling. All right, Jerry, thanks for your call. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines off to Northwest Alabama. We go next. Joyce is on the line. Joyce, it's your turn. Go ahead. Well, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I am the the representative payee for our adult child who was disabled with a serious brain disorder. He had been able to work, but after a relapse, he is not. And we have filed for Social Security Disability because he does qualify for that through his work history. Um, our, our Our filing date was given to us as August the 2nd, and the 
they keep pushing back when we will get a determination. Uh, the last thing I saw on uh, Social Security was 288 days to make a determination on his case. My question is, if when he, because it's a qualifying condition, when he qualifies, will his will he get back payment to August, or how does that work? Yes, ma'am. Good question, Joyce. So when someone calls and we we protect them with the date that they contact us, then no matter how long it takes the disability service, because some uh, disabilities are quite complex, medical records take time, backlogs, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and that's different in all different states across the country. But the individual is protected, even though they may not be getting a check. They are protected back to the to the date that they filed. So just because it takes us a long time, it takes the disability service a long time. It's not good because you aren't getting any money, but you eventually do get that back time. That's why you see some of these people get large back time checks because they may have been waiting for quite a long time. So that protective filing date is what we go by, and that is what we we set whenever you first contact us to file the claim. Does that also include his qualifying for Medicare? Um, yes, ma'am. Will it go and back that's to why we okay. always go back to look as far back as we can to protect someone legally because everything hinges off of that date. So in your case, if it was August, we're looking at 20, uh, 24 months, uh, you know, or 29 months rather for Medicare, and there's a five-month waiting period strictly for the first check. So, yes, that is important, and everything hinges off of that date, including Medicare entitlement, which is technically 29 months from the date of that uh, protective filing or onset date. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your information. Bye-bye. Thank you, ma'am. Thanks, Joyce. Uh, Let's get this one last call in before our time expires. And so it's uh, off to Jackson we go. Arthur on the line. Go ahead. You're on the air with us. Oh, thank you. Love your show. Um, I filed for retirement uh, in January, and uh, my wife is already uh, taking retirement. Uh, can she get a spousal benefit based upon my uh, uh, benefit when it starts? Yes, sir. We would look at that and see if we can cover that because we ask you to list every uh, marriage and divorce to see if there's anybody payable. What we have to look at is her age and what she's drawing off of her own check. And then, depending on what her age and her benefit is, as to whether or not she would draw any off of your record uh, based on age and income. For a lot of people, if it's two income households and both of you have worked throughout the years, you see what we call independently entitled individuals. So both of you draw off of your own record based off your work history, and we don't really see any spousal benefits unless someone passes away. But that is something we check on with every claim because it's our job to make sure that we pay the highest benefit payable to you and your spouse when you file the claim. So that is something that we will check on. Okay. Uh, when I went on uh, the online and checked, it, it asked uh, for, you know, if there's a place down there for spousal benefit to check and put her birth date in there, and it gives a number, uh, but when after I have filed, does she need to go ahead and file, or do y'all check?
check that automatically. We should check that automatically. Once you start receiving your check, though, if you're uncomfortable about that, just call your local office and have them double check and make sure. And they can run the numbers. We can run the computation right quick. Go ahead and get your benefits started, and then let's double check. Because you did protect her when you filed the claim, just like the last caller. So if there were some benefits to you in March or something, we would go back and supplement the difference between what she's drawing now and what uh, she should be drawing if she were eligible for any benefits off of off of your record. But uh, get yours in, in pay first, and then we always pay the number holder first. Then we always work backwards to see if there's any auxiliaries, which could be a spouse or children, that we would pay on the record. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your call, sir. Thanks, Arthur, for your call. <clears throat> so, Sean, I've had my Social Security card since I was a teenager, and to me it's always fun to go back and look what my 12-year-old self's handwriting was like. Um, are, are the physical cards still issued, and do we need to hold on to them? They are still issued, and you need to put them up in a very safe place. I tell people all the time, really the only time you actually probably need that card is for employment or possibly to open a bank account, even though it's made in the handy-dandy size to carry in your wallet or your purse. That's the worst thing you can do. Put it up somewhere and also put your children's cards up somewhere for our listeners out there. Keep those, and uh, a lot of times you need your number, but you may not necessarily need the card. And so uh, with that, don't carry it. Uh, it. There is a limit. Believe it or not, we have people reaching their limits quite often now, pretend for your lifetime. People seem to just uh, not be very uh, careful with those cards. So put them up in a safe place and then only pull them out when you have to show them. Uh, safeguard that Social Security number as best you can because that's your number. We're not going to change it except in some extreme, very extreme circumstances. And I see have seen very few of those in my 31 years where we've actually done that. Most of the time you have a credit problem where someone may have access to your personal information. You don't have a Social Security problem. Our information is, is correct on there. So put that card up in a safe place and uh, then just have it whenever you need it. All right. So, Sean, uh, take a deep breath. Go get a cup of coffee. We really do appreciate you coming on and and sharing with us. It's always a busy day, and you always give such great information. So we really do appreciate having you on the air with us. Glad to be with you all. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. Our podcast producer is Jermaine Flood. So for Ryder Taff and our guest, Sean Mercer, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.